Welcome to Earthy, where eco-loving meets adventure living. Here you'll enjoy stories from people living lives based on what they love. If you're sick of depressing news, you're in the right place. Earthy is designed to inspire and teach you about sustainability, earth-friendly lifestyles, travel, and well-being. Your host is an adventure and lifestyle author, Shannon Annette. Welcome to Earthy, your earth-friendly lifestyle podcast. I'm really hoping to create a positive environment with actionable tips that will help improve your well-being and the environment around us. Because after all, if our nature and our environment around us is healthy, then we'll be healthy. And if the nature and environment around us is sick, then you're going to notice a lot of cancer and a lot of people getting sick. So this podcast is all aimed at creating a lifestyle that has a less of a carbon footprint and is more sustainable and environmentally friendly so that we can put healthy things into our body and grow in our wellness and um, overall happiness in life. So if you're sick of negativity that you're seeing around us on the TVs and everywhere else, um, join us here. We're going to focus on human connection, earth friendliness, sustainability, natural hotspots, and well-being. We're going to talk to experts from different fields such as minimalism, urban farming, aquaponics, tiny living, zero waste, nutrition, environmental health, and sustainability. Those are a whole lot of buzzwords that I love and want to learn more about. So I figure if I'm going to learn more about them, I can interview these experts and share it with you. We can uh, we can uh, advance along this process together. So I hope you're game with that. So let's be earthy together. Today, I'm super stoked to bring to you Genevieve Parker-Hill. She's written two books about minimalist living, and she does this with a husband and a two-year-old, which is pretty stellar, and we're going to have to have her on again to talk specifically about being a minimalist and having a toddler, because that sounds intense. <laughs> um, but I'm really excited to have her on. She is coming to us from the East Coast and um, has a lot of experiences and actionable tips that we talk about. And I think you're going to get a lot out of this podcast. I hope you do. If you're listening and you are a creative person, you're a blogger, a writer, a videographer, or you have some way to contribute to this movement, I'd love to invite you to my website and email me. It's earthydecor.com. So earthydecor.com. You can click on the contact me page and email me directly there. I would love to hear from you. We're looking for regular writers and contributors, anyone who wants to um, advance this movement. This is going to be a partnership. Like I want to bring everyone in. My arms are open. I'm ready for your assistance. And um, also, I want to tell you guys to really check out our blog. I have a blog on earthydecor.com, and I am committed to putting something in Monday through Saturday that's going to help educate and move forward this uh, earth-friendly practices. Let me give you the schedule. Every Monday, we're going to have something involving a minimalist. So it's going to be Minimalist Monday, Tiny Movement Tuesday, Zero Waste Wednesday, Throw Yourself in Nature Thursday, Urban Farming Friday, which of course will cover like aquaponics and cool stuff like that too. And then self-sustaining Saturday. Sunday, I'm going to (laughs) sleep. So I'm really excited to really dive in and learn all this with you and and enjoy the journey and the process. And without further ado, I'm going to bring to you Genevieve Parker-Hill. All right. Welcome, Genevieve. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. And I can't wait to hear about all this great content and education that you have for us. Well, thanks so much for having me, Shannon. It's great to be here. All right. And you're and you're coming to us from where exactly? Currently, I'm in southeastern North Carolina. In pre, 
recording, we talked that you kind of bouncing around quite a bit right now. So how often would you say that you move your location? It just has varied a lot. We just finished a trip across the USA where we traveled up from California to Portland, Oregon, down through Idaho. And we stayed like six weeks in Portland and we stayed like a month in um, Idaho. And then we kind of decided to go a little faster as we crossed the country. The middle of the USA is great. <laughs> really nice people, but also just a lot of cornfields. It really so. is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not, so, once, once you see one head of corn, you've kind of seen them all, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And I've done that trip back and forth. It was a little different than I've done normally, but yeah, I've done that before. So now we don't know how long we'll be here. Um, we're visiting some family here. So okay. just the next step, I don't know, maybe the Boston area. I'm not sure. My sister lives up in that area, so I might go up and see her. Okay. And who is we? What what encompasses your tribe? <laughs> my tribe <laughs> yeah. is my husband and our two-year-old son. Okay. All right, great. Well, I can't wait to hear more about this exciting life that you have. It sounds like, you know, uh, based on what I know from you, you live a minimalist life, but it sounds pretty maximum. Um, It sounds pretty amazing. (laughs) So I can't wait to get into that. So tell me a little bit more about your background and what your life looked like before you got into the world of the less. The world of the less. So I like that. (laughs) Okay. um, Let's see. I've been in the world of the less for a long time, I have to say. Um, but before that, uh, I was a collector of stuff like as a naturally, I am totally a collector. Like as a kid, I saved everything. I had multiple collections of stuffed animals and journals and, oh, stamps, postcards, just whatever, everything. And, um, then many years ago, um, my family's home burned down my, I was, in college and my family's home where all my stuff was burned down. Wow. I think that was, yeah, like 2004, I want to say. And, um, and that was, you know, like a lot of difficult things that happen. It can kind of change your outlook. And that that was was extreme. Yeah. 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 That was a really quick way to, as like a young person to be like, Oh, what's important in life. And I've always enjoyed thinking about what's important in life. And I've always been a long-term planner and I've always mm-hmm. like thought about the end, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> thought about like when I die, I like, I've always, even as a young kid, I've always been like, when I die, what am I, am I going to be happy with my life? So, but that really, that really, um, what surprised me after my house burned down and after, and it surprised my whole family, my extended, my whole family was the joy Cause we were, we were, because everyone was okay. Everyone we loved was okay. And even our dog was okay. We were so, um, joyful. We felt so grateful and blessed and lucky to have each other mm-hmm. and to be okay. And we realized like all of that stuff, just, it burned up and it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. We didn't lose anything that mattered. So I still didn't really fully become a minimalist until years later yeah. when when I was talking to my grandma who is um who is still around and she was telling me a story of seeing her neighbors. She had some elderly neighbors. Her elderly neighbor um they passed away. I think it was I think first the husband and then the wife passed mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. And 
she knew this neighbor quite well, and she knew that her neighbor treasured her antiques. And she had a house full of carefully selected antiques that she had collected over the years. And I guess her children, her grown um, children were didn't know about it or were too overwhelmed or whatever. Uh-huh. Her two grown sons pulled a dump truck oh, up to the house. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. a trash truck. And they just, they had to clear the house out and they just emptied mm-hmm. the trash and just dumped it all. So all of her, just a lifetime spent collecting antiques, just, my grandma was just horrified when she saw this happening. Right. And so she asked me, she was like, you know, how do I, I have a house full of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. how do I declutter? How do I, I know that not everything is important, but some things are, and I want to pass on a few things down, you know, and the story of, you know, the the butter churner that my mom used that we grew up on the farm turning butter with and like this piece of pottery that your grandfather brought back from Japan, you know, and this. And so, so I was like, I can help you with that. I'm a writer. I'm going to write a book about it. So I, I was like, I wrote a book called Minimalism for Grandparents Mm -hmm. and, um, and it was kind of for her and just out of my love for her. And it was for everybody, especially people who've spent a lifetime collecting things and how to, because after you go, someone is going to go in your house and they're not necessarily going to be someone who knows what, what is important to you. Right. And so I thought, you know, we should really have just the things that we love and value mm-hmm. in our house. Why would you have anything else in our, right. in your, so I wrote this book and then I realized that very few people actually identify in a positive way with being called a grandparent, <laughs> even if they are grandparents. <laughs> so <funny>. I rewrote <laughs> it. <laughs> I rewrote the book and I called it Minimalist Living. Mm-hmm. And and it was kind of something that I had after the fire that I had started doing naturally. But in the process of writing the book, I, I and my doing my research, I really uh, sold myself on the idea of being a minimalist. So you kind of That's like it. researched and became a minimalist all at the same time. You know, like what, what, <laughs> I'm a, you know, a writer as well. And it's kind of funny because I definitely have done that many times. You're researching, <laughs> you're like, yeah, this is good stuff. I should kind of do some of this stuff, huh? You know, I should like, follow my own advice. I yeah. know. Sometimes the advice we write is the ones we need to hear the most, you know? Yes. In my so. case, it's. It definitely was. And I read, I mean, I've read, I've read not all of your book, but a lot of it. And, um, I read cause I haven't had time to finish it. Cause I just, you know, reached out to you recently, but, um, in the beginning, when you talk about the fire, it was like, you know, super intense and here you are, you know, like having a great time in Paris and you get this call and yeah. like just, just <laughs> dials it back, you know? And, um, you know, I can just imagine you like, Oh my God, mom, this place is so amazing. She's like, no, honey, like yeah. we got to yeah. talk. <laughs> so that's yeah. kind of been like, amazing. Like that's an intense experience. Experience, but um, you you talked about in your book about how um, about how the community just really surrounded you with love and how um, you know it wasn't the actual belongings that that mattered as much like the joy that you, your family and your dog was okay and then that the community just supported you in the way like can you explain how that felt like what exactly happened after the fire? Mm, yeah. Oh, it was. Well, I. I wasn't there because I stayed in Paris. And then when I came back, I got to experience some of it. But Mm -hmm. in the moment, uh, just to start off right after the fire, it was the middle of the night. So immediately the neighbors came over and put clothes or bathrobes on, you know, my Mm -hmm. family to keep them warm. And it took, I think, the firefighters like many hours to put the fire out. It was a really raging fire. Wow. And yeah, and so... 
um, my family had no place to stay and uh, my sister was in high school at the time and I had and two younger brothers, even younger, who were um, still at home. And so they stayed, people put them up in their homes, uh, people in our community and gave, gave them clothes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when I came home, I could just, when I came home from my study abroad that summer, uh, I, uh, I went to the house, um, and I just saw the charred remains and I kind of went through some things cause some things like there were like still the shape of the house was there and there were some things that were recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, it's a small town where we are, where we're, where we're from. And, and so, uh, yeah, I just, everybody that I saw knew about it. And mm-hmm. actually, um, even my college, I, f- I think someone found out one of the deans of my school or something even reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, I'm so sorry to hear about this. And so really, um, yeah, just, it really did bring home how important the community was and how, like when you lose everything, we, it, we were fine. You know, mm-hmm. people, people are really good at taking care of each other when, when I think when it's really clear, mm-hmm. like this is an emergency these people need, yeah. they need practical things. Right. And, you know, we immediately got to kind of start fresh and, and it's mm-hmm. kind of fun. I wouldn't yeah. recommend to find anyone, but it, it, in a way it's like a blank slate. Yeah, I would imagine that the stress, uh, you know, like if you had tons of stuff that you needed to file and go through and, you know, you know, the paper, you know, that pile that you just like, I really got to go through that pile. <laughs> I bet there's a bill or two in there. There's stuff I got to file. There's just, there's to do's in that pile. <laughs> you know? yeah. You're like, it's gone. Hallelujah. Freedom is Yeah, here. we've all fantasized about the, the fire. <laughs> Suddenly the dog ate it. The fire burned it. Yeah. 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 Work is gone. I, I have no recollection. <laughs> what happened? Well, it burned in the fire, you know, so. We still use that. I think my mom is sort of a natural purger uh-huh. we still joke that she will use that as an excuse years <laughs> later be like mom whatever happened to that whatever and she's like it burned in the fire we're like, no we gave you that five years after the fire <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of amazing <laughs> okay so your life was a one of a collector in the past then you went to college you had some travel abroad experiences you had this ultimate crazy life experience that by most people would sit you know be looked at as a huge crisis which you turned into a, a learning experience then now, you know, post fire, what does your life look like? Well, post fire, let's see. Now I, I am so grateful to be living my dream life. Um, I have a, a nomad's heart and fortunately I married a man who does too. And, um, we have a two and a half year old son and, Right now, we are full-time nomads. We, and this has only been for like six months or so, because we have had home bases. We've had apartments that we, you know, leases for year, year, years here and there. Mm-hmm. But we just decided, hey, let's do it. We can do this right mm-hmm. now. Um, our son is, you know, he's so young. He's not like in a school somewhere. Mm-hmm. And both of our work is totally location independent. Mm-hmm. So we just decide where we want to go. And I did like a little YouTube video about this that I put up um, in my Facebook group, which is 
which is where you, where we met each other, yeah, um, yeah. minimalist living. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, and it's just how we decide. And normally we're both, um, you know, we both love to visit our friends and family. So a lot of times it's like family events and those things have us, have us choosing our locations right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're the reason we, we decided to go somewhere. Right. Right. And so, um, how long have you been with your husband? Oh, we met in 2010. 2010. Okay. Seven years. Wow. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So tell me about this journey, um, to a world of less with a partner. Like, did you guys line up at the same time and like the the bulb, you know, like illuminated (laughs) for you both that, yes, I want less stuff and I want to not have a house and let's just roam. Like, how did that play out for two people? No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how it works, huh? Okay. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yes. Like, as we all know, opposites attract. Uh Uh-huh. And, um, well, that's not, that's not exactly fair to him. My husband is, he's, he would call himself a minimalist. Um, and he is a minimalist, but, um, we're just so different in the way we, in, I guess what, stuff is important. Mm -hmm. Um, and like we're both sentimental. We both like to look at old things and be like, Oh, I played with this when I was little, Mm -hmm. this, you know, this little star Wars set of action figures or something like that. And, um, but no, this, I think it took a lot of, of just dreaming mm-hmm. on my part because I was sort of the, 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 the one going, wouldn't this be fun? We could be nomadic. We could get rid of all of our stuff. And I'm talking about all of it. There's no, um, there's no storage unit anywhere with our mm-hmm. stuff. We don't have, we don't own a home. We don't have stuff in any place. Um, except for he actually does a little bit, a little bit, um, <laughs> his stuff, but it's not my stuff. <laughs> and <laughs> so, and I, it's probably the the number one question that people who are new to this movement who want to be minimalist or declutter ask me, like, how do I get my partner on board? Like, this is what he wants to do or she wants to do. And, and they're just crazy. Right. I mean, that's just crazy. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 this is totally normal. It's actually very rare for two. In my book, I call them People are, I I divide humanity into collectors and purgers, like Mm -hmm. natural collectors or natural purgers. And usually a collector will marry a purger. It's what happens, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. It just, yeah. Something about the the mysterious other. Um, (laughs) How do they work? I want to figure that out. So, yeah. yeah, So um, in my case, I think... um, I think I became a purger, which is really unusual, but because of the fire, I became right. a purger. Yeah. And he is, um, he, he would just laugh if he heard me saying this. Cause he's like, no, I'm, I'm sure if he was here, uh-huh. he would say I am a minimalist. And I was a minimalist before Genevieve was a minimalist because he is a big traveler, uh-huh. but it's just so funny. Cause he, cause I, he just, he's, um, we are different kinds of minimalists and the things that are are different to us, which is fine. And that's fine. That's, and it's normal. So anytime someone's like, how do I change my partner? And I'm just like, just you do your thing and let them do their thing and Mm -hmm. just keep the peace and talk about it and keep Mm -hmm. the lines of communication open Mm -hmm. and share what, 
share the why, you know, share the vision for mm-hmm. why you want to do this mm-hmm. less, live in this world of less and, and keep it positive. And that's all you can do. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely more the purger in my, in my family here. And, um, and yeah, my fiance, she, uh, you know, she doesn't, she's not like a hoarder, but like she comes from that type of family. And so it definitely isn't in her natural inclination, but, um, over the time I've noticed like she has become more and more like, um, you know, like open to, to getting rid of things and like, you know, emptying out more of her closet. And I'll say, you know, you know, it took you 15 minutes to find that one shirt, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> I've got like six shirts, <laughs> Max. <laughs> it's really easy to find. I love them all. So I don't have to wait for laundry day to have good like clothes because they're all good, <laughs> you know. How, how does she respond to that? Does she accept, does, is she like amenable? Well, amenable? at first she just laughs and was like, mm, you know, like, ha that's great for you, you know, but, um, <laughs> After a while, she started realizing that purging felt good because she could actually, like, get her hand in the closet because, the, the, you know, it's like they're not all, like, jammed together. And she mm-hmm. had more space. And she was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's better. And then um, I'm trying to convince her more because there's some things that, you know, don't fit. So it's like, well, if it doesn't fit, like, let's get rid of it. It's kind of cruel just to hold on to it. <laughs> you know, just be like, well, one day. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's a so, great tactic. If, if she's a caring person, I mean, wouldn't she like to provide clothing to someone else wouldn't I mean yeah. someone else who'd actually wear it like yeah. this could make their day this could make them feel like a right. million dollars and it's interview. not worn out yep and it's still it's still <laughs> good and it gives and it also gives you know uh, my partner opportunity to see the things in her closet that she likes you know because they're so yeah. spread out so she thinks she goes in there she has nothing to wear but it's just because it's masked by all the stuff she doesn't like she yeah. can't see the stuff she does. So it's funny, you know, the, the dynamics. And then I like design. So like, you know, the different stuff outside. I like minimalists, like just clean lines and stuff. And so um, she's been really receptive to me basically redoing a whole bunch of the place that we share. And um, so that's been really great. I know a lot of people aren't as open to that. Um, and so, you know, each time if she because she doesn't have the vision, like I'm the creative one. And so she's like, well, I can't picture what you're saying. I'm like, OK, well, so far, have I let you down? No. OK, I'm just going to do it then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, OK, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, balancing um, two different wants and personalities, it's hard. I know you talk about minimalism in your book, having, you know, meaning something different to different people and managing, uh, you know, like looking at a minimalistic life can look very different from one person or one personality to another. Like, how would you describe, you know, the variants and how can they all call themselves minimalists? Like, how, how would you describe that? Yeah. I think minimalism is, the way I define it, it is about, it's about joy. And there's there's also minimalism the aesthetic where which which it, you know mm-hmm. it sounds like in your designs mm-hmm. that's that's kind of what you like like also like an aesthetic of minimalism which which um is a little bit of a separate thing from from minimalism applied to i mean i love it and it's 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 great and it certainly can apply to um decor and the way your home looks and feels mm-hmm. but not everyone wants to be in a in a space that is aesthetically minimal, um, mm-hmm. you know, but they can still be minimalist by applying the concepts of minimalism to any area of their life, even just one. You can be like, I'm a minimalist in my cooking. You know, I know mm-hmm. these foods work for me and they keep me healthy and feeling good. And so I have, you know, I repeat this 
I repeat this breakfast three days a week and that works for me. Mm-hmm. And, and just, I think it's about permission, giving yourself permission and, the, and finding the confidence to find what works for you and what brings you joy and makes you feel healthy and happy and free because freedom is a huge element of, of minimalism. I think the aesthetic and the lifestyle choice, like when, you know, a, a, a space that has, that has openness can mm-hmm. feel so freeing. And, and yeah, so that, so that's how anyone can be a minimalist. Just pick one small area of your life and it can even be your thoughts. You know, if you're having the same negative thought patterns in a certain area, it can be like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to declutter those, those thoughts. They're just not working for me. And, and for whatever reason, you don't have to analyze why they're not working, but it's not working. And here's what I want to focus on. Mm-hmm. So you focus quite a bit of your life on minimalist. Is it, is it your full-time job or do you have a different full-time job and you do this on the side? What is, what's your dedication to this whole movement? It's, it's definitely part-time. Um, uh, I take on jobs kind of at will here and there. Most of them are, uh, working with individual clients doing different, like I'm also, I also, uh, well, you know, I have two books in the field of minimalism Mm -hmm. and then I also coach writers to help them self-publish, write their books and Mm self-publish. So I do that. And, um, so yeah, so my dedication to the idea of minimalism is, you know, it's a full time. It's a lifestyle for me. Like this is it. Like You're in. I have, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at my, all of my clothes are in the suitcase in front of me right yeah. now. And yeah. so, and all of my stuff is just right here. It's just one in one little room and, mm-hmm. and it fits in our car. So I'm in, but in terms of my time, I, I, I am going to be writing another book. I'm not mm-hmm. sure when mm-hmm. <laughs> about about this area and I and I like to stay engaged with the community on Facebook which is our main place that uh, that community lives minimalist living on Facebook um, but yeah it's not my full-time I don't have make like full-time it, it's not my full-time work or my full-time job mm-hmm. what do you do um, to support your travels uh, in addition to your minimalistic work I uh, let's see I have so book royalties support mm-hmm. my travels, coaching, writers support my travels. And then I have uh, consulted with clients on sales and marketing as well. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So what, what about this um, movement and lifestyle is important enough for you to focus your life and gear it around that and like dedicate so much of your time to helping others do the same? <sighs> Good question. <laughs> I think it's it's a really useful tool. It's minimalism is not the end all be all of life. It's not the, the no one philosophy is the answer to the problem of life, mm-hmm. but it's at least that's what I believe. But um it's a great in my life it has been so useful as a tool to help me find what's really important. Um I want to live a life that is filled with meaning and gratitude and adventure and, and partnership and, um, creativity. And so I, yeah, I just want to focus on the essentials Mm -hmm. and, and that minimalism helps me do that. Um, I, I think a lot of us, and I've definitely done this before and I still do it a little bit, believe it or not, but it, I do, um, 
shopping or consuming can become like um, like a hobby in itself, like a pastime in itself. Right. And um, and when I when I do that, I can catch myself doing that. Like, oh, I don't need anything. I'm just at the store for fun. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't vilify shopping. Like that's that's really important to me because because shopping can be fun and it can be fine, but if chosen consciously, um, and actually shopping is important. I mean, I, I do believe in buying things that you love and, um, supporting companies that are doing good, good things in the world. And, and I have a business and people buy things from me. And, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, I, I don't vilify shopping, but I think that, that too often we're sold things, with lies, and we're also sold products that that don't um, match the the values that we would like. Like yeah. for example, one way minimalism has really helped me is is in buying clothes. Like I love fashion, I love clothes, I love looking at fashion magazines and 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 seeing really um, just you know picking out what I'm going to wear. Clothes are really fun for me. Mm-hmm. But a couple years ago, I realized that. I learned about the, um, you know, how clothes are made. Often it's just, especially when we buy from big companies, mm-hmm. we don't know how they're made. Like they're made, um, there's some unethical business practices, possible child labor, mm-hmm. and they're not, a lot of them are not, um, envir- the factories are not environmentally friendly. They're not sustainably made. Right. So, so I made a pledge to not buy any new clothes unless they're ethically and sustainably made uh-huh. a few years ago. And, and, and that just feels really good to go, okay, this is, I'm not just going to talk about these values. Like this value is important to me and I'm going to take action. And this matters enough. Like in my life, this is something that I can take a stand on and it, and it, and so I think minimalism helped me identify that that was important to me. So it helped you identify your core values and then set up your behaviors and actions to actually live that way. Beautiful. Yes. Okay. Duh. Say that again. Like, I feel like our <laughs> listeners could like, that's the core right there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what I said. No, <laughs> I just, uh, I'm like, okay, so basically minimalism allowed you to set up to recognize your core values and then align your life to to live according to those. I think yeah. I said it a slightly different, something like that. Yeah, that's key. <laughs> Y'all can rewind. If you yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> a good thing it's recorded. I'll tell you what, my mind, you know. <laughs> okay, so working with folks to help them pare down their lives, um, what have you found to be like the hardest for people to let go of? When you have these interactions with people in your Facebook group or, you know, maybe like consultations, uh, they're saying, yeah, minimalism's great, but I have X, Y, and Z and I just can't let go of it. Okay. It is, it is sentimental items. That's definitely the hardest. Pretty much it's easy. It's easy to pick. That's, that's what rises to the top. And Mm -hmm. I do have once a year, I run the 30 day map to get rid of your crap, which is, which is a, um, it's a once a year program I run and I, I do work with people on this for the 30 days of April every year. So far, we'll see if I do it. I I plan on doing it every year. Um, but sentimental items, uh, it's, uh, it's, it feels like the sentimental value of an item grows over time. So the older something is and the more, if you can hold it and touch it and smell it, and it reminds you of 
someone that you love or your mm-hmm. childhood or your pet or something, you know, some, yeah. if it brings up those feelings that we long to feel like, um, it, it can feel like that item is the value is in the item. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and like, oh, I cannot let go of this because this reminds me of a person or a relationship or a, or a memory. Uh, and then a lot of times it, it can also have uh, negative emotions attached. Like you can have positive emotions, like a fond, uh, someone you love, but it can also be a, a lot of guilt. Mm. I find people are like, Oh, that, um, like for, I'll use an example from my life. I, I was holding on to this letter and I think I wrote about this in the book. I was holding on to a letter someone had written to me and I, I had just like broken this person's heart and I didn't mean to, and I felt so terrible about it. And I learned, uh, a lesson, several important lessons. And this letter was just a reminder of all that pain for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I I thought that I needed to hold on sort of to learn, to be reminded of this lesson, this Mm -hmm. important lesson that I had learned. And, um, and every time I would read it, I would just feel so guilty and ashamed and and sad and 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 misunderstood. Also, you know, and and I was like, why am I? Eventually, why years later, I was like, that? why am I holding on to this? It's like a washer machine of emotions. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I read somewhere that human beings are the only mammals or creatures that will punish themselves multiple times for one <laughs> for one, one action. Yeah, you know, yeah. exactly. It's like yeah. we're the only ones that will do that, and. Uh, you know, everything else is like they just move right along. It's not like they're like, oh, dang it, I drank water from that one spot and I had, you know, this issue and, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe I did that. I should have known better. It smelled funny. I don't know. Like yeah. humans will just like, you know, punish ourselves over and over again. It's like that doesn't result in any positive, you know, actions or, or results, you know. It just ends in wallowing, <laughs> you know. But yeah. at least not that I can tell. But... I don't think it has any, I mean, I think I learned my lesson and that was, yeah. it was a valuable lesson, but I don't think I needed to punish myself more than once. I don't yeah, even think I, I needed think to punish myself once. you learned it the first I, time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just learned and I learned. So, yeah, so yeah I got rid of it. Um, okay. But I think a lot of people have a similar experience with their, with holding on to things like that, that evoke a kind of a toxic, powerful mixture of like guilt and nostalgia and like. It's, you know, it's like when you hear a song or smell a smell and it just brings it all back for yeah, you. it shoots it back. Yeah, for sure. I don't have many, like, uh, belongings or, like, because I, I lived abroad for many years and so I pared down. But um, I have a few tools now because I've been building stuff. So I've, I've accumulated a couple <laughs> tools, which is like, kind of fun. But um, one of the things that I collected while I travel was just sand. So each place I went to, I got, like, a little Ziploc of sand. I stole their ground. And um, <laughs> and I took it um, home, and so I have this. I have little tiny chemistry test tubes, um, and I have them all labeled all the different places I've been. And so I think that's kind of like you know a fun, endearing like thing that I haven't seen other people really have. And um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of fun, but it's you no, know, it's small. I can I can pack it all up. Like I think I have like fifty some odd like uh, test tubes, but they they all sit in like. Um, a, like a tray designed for like a lab. So it's like literally six inches by eight inches. And I have like that whole, you know, collection, wow. you know, that's, a, so, that's great. That's a great idea. It's pretty and cool. It's free. 
It's free. Yeah. And if you want to one day, like if you do settle down and build mm-hmm. a house, you can put them like under the porch and then you can be like, you're walking over Iceland, Norway, <laughs> Germany, whatever, you know, like whatever. Yeah. Place. Have the, have the, have it built into the floor. You're yeah. Like, like a little river things. of sand uh, under plexi. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know. It would be really fun though. I would like to display it too. Like one day, you know, if I were to stop moving, um, display yeah. it by like, um, by like region, you know, be like, okay, well, over here we have South America. Look at all their sands, and over here, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a great idea. Like a we tour. do magnets. Oh, we, that's we, fun. which is not original because you can get them in souvenir shops everywhere. But yeah. it's small, easy, and then one day we dream of like having a big wall map and displaying them all. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Somehow. Yeah, that'd be cool. I go. I like free. Um, <laughs> free is good. Yeah, but you know what? I always worry if I ever move the whole collection. I'm always nervous that like one customs agent's gonna be like, "Uh, this is soil, not rock." Because if it's soil, yeah. they can take it. But it's all sand, so it's rock. And so they so far so far, so good. But I always get a little nervous. <laughs> so they they let you. So they've actually asked you about it before. Um, sometimes, like when I have the baggies, because it's not like in a when I when I have the collection, they can kind of tell what it is. It's pretty clear. But sometimes they'll go and test them. Like they, I've had them like really? take me, yeah, take me to that like um, you know where they test your hands for residue of like explosives yeah. and things. And yeah. they'll test. They don't test all of them. I thought they were going to. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> but um, but they tested some of them, and then they tested like the outside of the some of the bottles and then my hands and then let me on my way. I'm like, no, 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 I'm just a travel nerd. It's okay. Um, <laughs> so Yeah, I'd test you. If you showed up with a, like a baggie of white powder or something, no, totally. I would. I would. <laughs> um, I've had people from like, God, where should we? I think I was like came in or somewhere and they like look at it because they always pull it out of my bag. Like when it goes through the x-ray, if I'm carrying sand, I get stopped every time and that's, I expect it. Um, so then they pull it out and they're like, oh, you're stealing our sto- our, our, our beach. <laughs> and I was like, yep. I just say, I just say, yep. <laughs> and then they let me on my way. Now, if you can't do that in certain places like Galapagos like you could like go to prison but um, most places is fine there are some like national parks and like sacred areas that um, you don't want to you know be doing that but most places it's fine <laughs> well it's a good idea yeah so that's friendly souvenir it's kind of fun but um, yeah so that's like my biggest um, like sentimental collection I'd say but um, yeah I would imagine that would be a big hurdle uh, because some people have like you know oh, this is my grandma's chair or what have you but the thing is, I think if it was gone, would they really think about it that much and be like, oh, if I could only sit in that chair? Like, I don't know. I don't know yeah. how that works. I think you're right. Like, if, yeah, you can ask yourself, like, hey, if if someone stole this or if, if it my house burned down and this was in there, mm-hmm. and if you kind of feel like a, a, a secret sense of relief, you know you can just let it go. Yeah. So, okay, we talked a little bit about, like, stuff. And you said that in your book you talk about how, like, stuff equals stress. Like, can you elaborate on that idea? Yeah, yeah, um, yes. Stuff uh, takes a toll, and it's and it's unaccounted for usually at the moment we decide to purchase. And that's kind of what I mean by stuff equals stress because – Stress is often caused by the unexpected uh, administrative tasks of life that pop up at the wrong time when it's and it's never the right time. Nobody ever wants to deal with like like no one ever was like, I'm so excited. I'm going to go get my car's oil change this weekend. Yes. (laughs) I mean, maybe someone who's like really into car engines, but that's it. Yeah. And nobody else. And um, and so when you buy a new item, I think 
no one is there at the store going, okay, now you got to get this item maintenance every year. And Mm -hmm. this part is a little weak. It will probably break. You'll need to spend three hours on the phone with customer service. (laughs) And let me tell you, they just outsourced that to a country where you're not even going to be able to understand the thick accent of the person who answers the phone. Yeah. And good luck getting a replacement because... Yeah, they're just they're just not great with their customer service yet, but maybe they'll have improved it by then. Like mm-hmm. the salesperson is not going to tell you that about the blender that you're buying, mm-hmm. and uh, they're not going to tell you that you know you need to treat it with oil so that it doesn't rust, and how to make it last longer, and what not to do with it. And they're just going to sell you on the positive benefits to your life of that blender or whatever, mm-hmm. which which might be many, mm-hmm. but they're not going to say you know every time you pick this blender up and move it around you have to really lift with your legs on this one. Otherwise, you will injure your back. And if you injure your back, you're going to have to go to your chiropractor once a month for a year. And that's going to cost money too. And do you really have the time to go to your chiropractor? So that's what I mean (laughs) by every item that you add to your life. And again, I don't vilify shopping because I have items that I love that are so useful to me in my life. My laptop, these headphones I'm speaking on. Mm -hmm. I own a blender that I love. And... But, but, but what we do is we just put those items in the back of the shelf and they just build up and we don't realize till much later that we're not using them. And then, then there's a whole process you have to go through. Do you, do you know how hard it is to get rid of stuff? <laughs> I've done it many, many times. I've, I've landed somewhere, started accumulating, mm-hmm. uh, accumulating. And then to get rid of it, I've actually paid people to come to my house with the truck, load the truck up and take it to a dump. Mm-hmm. I mean, that costs money. That's labor too. And we think, oh, well, if I don't want it, I'll sell it. But selling things takes time. Mm-hmm. Communication um, with the flaky people on Craigslist. Or, yeah, totally. Um, it does take some marketing. You got to have some, take nice photos of the item, describe it, provide warranty information, whatever. Yeah, so, it's just a drain at that point. It's, yeah, it's just a drain. It's not something you want to be doing, and it can become a job just to maintain your things. So you you buy a, a you buy you buy things. You buy another a second home, another car. Nothing wrong with those choices, but you do then have to hire someone to to maintain your home, your yard, your your car engine, and all of that is just the administration of stuff. It, right. it just so uh, if you want to do that, fine. Just make those choices with your eyes open. Right. And I choose a simpler life right now for, for me because I'm my life is full and happy and I'm okay with just administ- administering, uh, taking care of things and my family um, as things are. I don't want to add yeah. more. And it myself. sounds like you've really identified some core values of experiences and travel while, you, while your family's young and, and able-bodied and, and things like that. So um, that yeah. makes a lot of sense for you. So... Okay, what small shifts would you say in like behavior or habit would you say have the largest impact or results? So like little tweaks you could make to your life that have bigger results. Ooh, good question. Um, I'd say for one a huge, 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 small, small thing that I do almost every day mm-hmm. that makes a huge result, gives me huge results mm-hmm. is expressing or writing down gratitudes. Um, and this, yeah, it's, it help if you want to become a minimalist, um, it can help you because it's, it's a way to see right there. I journal almost every day and I just write down, I'm, 
I'm grateful for. And I just make a long list. And there's just no way I can be in a bad mood when I'm done with that. And there's also (laughs) no way that I could somehow miss out or forget what's important in my life to me and the gifts that I've been given and what's really valuable to me and what I should. And also often, even without going, what do I want? What are my goals? Often it, it does reveal kind of, it helps me connect with my intuition of what, what's just the next step for me in my life. Hmm. And do you feel like it's ever repetitive? Like, is there enough shift in your day to day to have it, those, those lists be very different or varying? Yeah, I, it, it does get repetitive, but, mm-hmm. um, when I feel bored, I'm like, Oh my God, I've, I've been thankful for coffee for like the last 30 days. <laughs> um, yeah. go, I'll skip that one and find a different one. There's always another one, you yeah. know? So if I, I don't, you know, if I'm like, I'm so grateful for my son is healthy, you know, yeah. that one I know. And I sometimes put that just to remind myself and get that sort of, it really just gives you a momentary jolt of joy, like a little, I'm sure it's hormonal. It's, you know, it's like a little, a little dopamine euphoria. Dopamine. Yeah. There you go. Uh-huh. And, um, and so if I want that little dopamine shot, I'll do that one. But there's so many other things that I haven't been thankful for in the last, I mean, maybe in the last year. And I'll start thinking of those things. Gotcha. So it's like, a, yeah. it's a sort of a cognitive cycle. So you can um, really appreciate every aspect of your life in the present and the past. Or is it just like today? Like, what am I thankful for today? Whatever comes to my mind. Gotcha. It, it's, if I want to go deeper and I feel like I'm still kind of, groggy in a bad mood, (laughs) need a shift. I'll keep going and say past, uh, future even, Uh you know, Uh um, I can do that too. It works. And that's the thing is I really think it's part of a creative process for anyone who's feels like identifies as a creative person listening to this. It's also creative. You know, I'm thankful that I finished this latest book (laughs) in the future. (laughs) Right. Um, Right. Right. Y'all, I'm so, thankful yeah. that's over. It's not really over. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, I think that's okay because your your brain doesn't know that it, you're thinking for something in the future. Your brain just starts focusing on that and getting it done. Yeah. And then the other small shift um, that I think can just – that can change the world for the better uh, on an individual basis and then, um, you know, peer-to-peer and then just the world mm-hmm. – businesses, governments, everything is partnership. And that's, yeah. And these are both like getting beyond the world of minimalism, but I do think minimalism can play in because minimalism is about identifying what's important and discarding what's not. Right. And yeah. And so I really would, I would like to see us as a, as a world moving away from, um, hierarchical systems Mm -hmm. And more into partnership. And I think wh- how that works on an individual level is is um, communicating with each other as equals all over the world. And mm-hmm. um, so and and finding partnership too, like whatever you want to do, if you want to decorate your home in a beautiful way that makes you feel good, or if you want to write a book, or if you want to become a minimalist, or if you want to travel the world, like finding other people to partner with who are doing it or who can help you and encourage you. I think that that's a big shift. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. It's, I mean, you know, because it's like so much more powerful than just you. You know, it's like synergistic with the, all the different people that you and and their talents and their connections and what they've already established. It's like building a, a much stronger scaffolding than just like, you know, one empire business, right? So yeah, a lot more support. No, yeah, we don't. Nobody does anything alone. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you're doing like you reached out to me. Mm-hmm. You're creating this podcast, and then that just the two of us working together talking about this topic is so much more powerful. Right. And then other people hearing this, they will go out and create um, just a little bit of positive change in their life. And yeah, it's, and it, it can be, I, I mention it because I think it can be difficult or require some courage to reach out and partner with someone mm-hmm. in an area that, that you're excited about or that you're nervous about. But I think it's important. Yeah, especially now, you know, it just seems like there's so much animosity in, um, you know, current politics and, and just day-to-day life. Uh, I feel like at least in this side of the world, um, there's just, yeah. there, people come up with so many reasons to be mad and not like one another, and we need to come up with all the reasons that we're all, you know, human beings. I watched this thing yeah. recently um, about this astrophysicist that says, you know, is talking about the um, the view of the world, you know, like from the moon, when, when, when man went to the moon, and, you know, he's like, it's the first time they really saw from a, a great perspective what Earth was. And it's like, guess what? It wasn't mm. color-coded uh, countries. It was just mm. one body of, you know, mass and water and, like, humanity. And when we were all, it's like, everyone's the same as earth, you know? And I thought, man, that'd be cool. Cause I have this huge map in my, in, in the living room <laughs> and I have, you know, it's just like a conversation starter and it is, you know, I mean, it's like supposed to be to scale and all that. And it's got the colors, wow. it's topography. Oh, I mean, I not to it. scale, but like, ha, ha, well, not to, it's not the whole world. You know what I mean? Like it has, it's supposed to be, um, um not to scale. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, I don't have the entire world in my living room, but, um, Yeah. Whatever that's called when it's supposed to be accurate. But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, but it's got the topography and stuff, which I like. But I'm like, you know, I would love to have, like, more of a satellite image, you know, where it's, um, you know, it's not politi- It's not a political map where it puts, like, the U.S. bigger than it's supposed to be and, you know, all that kind of stuff um, where it's actual, actually accurate and where it's just Earth. That would be even cooler, I think, oh, you know. Yeah. And then you'd be like, oh, that area right there that my experiences there were great. You know, you have to know that your geography a little bit better without all the, all the little, like, uh, you know, elementary school country outlines, you know. Yeah, which are changing all the time anyway. I Every know. 10 years, like, yeah, Yeah, I agree. Um, so anyway, I'm, like, kind of inspired by that. But, yeah, it's great to, you know, hear from one another about ways that we can kind of, you know, dial the rhetoric back and, and dial up the humanity and, you know, the, the togetherness. And that's, you know, one of my huge goals with this podcast is not only to um, – connect with like-minded individuals and make an impact, uh, you know, that helps nature. Um, Because, you know, nature doesn't need us. I mean, we can, you know, we can run it through the ground and we'll go extinct and it'll just adapt and turn into something else and cycle its way through. Um, Mm -hmm. But I would really love to, you know, honor nature as since it's obviously served us, um, you know, and, and have that have that relationship and, and teach others also how to, you know, live in a way that's, um, not so, um, you know, damaging and that's um, healthy because, you know, if we're honoring nature, we're also honoring our own well-being. You know, it's the same. 
So, um, yeah, we are part of nature. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So that's definitely why, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about this because I'm, I love to be in nature and I don't want it to go away. <laughs> so really it's all selfish. That's <laughs> pretty much what it comes down to. But, um, we've definitely taken a huge turn, which is super fun. And that's why I enjoy these podcasts because you just never know what you're going to get. <laughs> and I do love chocolates. So I can always make that reference. <laughs> Wait, um, what'd you say about chocolate? Did oh, well, say, I you said you, you never know what you're going to get. And of course that's like oh. the forest gum. <laughs> like box of chocolates i'm like so i can always go there i, I just heard that. chocolate i was like wait what like, chocolate what? chocolate where yeah in, you know, the virtual environment damn it <laughs> yeah so yeah exactly but um anyway uh, to getting back to the minimalism um tell me about you have this uh, reference you make it's a tim ferris reference to low information diet and so i wanted to kind of like um steer back to how minimalism affects more than just like your stuff and how it can impact other parts of your life and i love this whole low information diet idea uh, that you reference. Mm. Can you go into depth about that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, like, like the other areas of minimalism, the low information diet is about choosing consciously what information you're taking in. You know, we're in the information age. Information is it's at our fingertips. It's everywhere. We turn on the news. Um, and it's, it's, it's just, we just have information is something that we have in abundance right now. And it hasn't always been that way. And we're definitely wired to treat it like, like a, like a very limited resource. And, um, like that dopamine burst we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we definitely, I think, get that from information, from different kinds of information and our brains in some ways are always looking, um, they're always looking for that, that boost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the low information diet is choosing what information you want to take in and, and, and just it, and I think a lot of times the best way to dip your toe in is to experiment with it and just be like, okay, this week, I'm not going to listen to the news first thing or at all. I'm not going to follow, keep up with the news for a week. And I do, I do believe in knowing what's going on in the world, mm-hmm. you know, and, and being an activist in, in the areas that are important to you and in, in the ways you feel called to be, to make things better. And you do have to know kind of what's going on to do that. But but try it for a week and just see how you feel after a week of less information, of choosing the information. Like, hey, for example, this week I'm I'm just really into the the meditations that that Oprah is is putting out on her blog or whatever. And I'm just gonna listen to those and I'm gonna read this book. And all of my free time that normally I'd be watching TV or listening to the news mm-hmm. or on Facebook, I'm just gonna do these meditations and I'm just gonna read this book. And then just see how you feel in a week. Because we become what we think about and we think about what we're taking in. Mm-hmm. So is that is that I think that's pretty much that pretty much covers it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that uh, there's also a correlation between like the low information and also 
um, I feel like that slides right into uh, decision making, like not having yeah. not being overwhelmed with decision making, you know, because it's sort of like a form of information where you're like, OK, I have 400 cereals I could buy. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's like it clutters your head. And um, I feel like sometimes, especially in the uh, Western you know, societies, we have so many decisions. We go into like an overload where we just stop being able to make any, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like, and you know, wardrobe is one of those. It's like one of the benefits of paring down is like, guess what? I don't have to make a huge decision. I love everything in my wardrobe. There is only a few items and, um, you know, they all work equally. So boom, just grab a shirt, <laughs> you know, like it's just yes. easier, you know? Um, so I know like Obama, I feel like he had only like two colored tie, two different tie colors <laughs> or something and like two different suit colors. Cause he said he didn't, he didn't want to, you know, he wanted, what did he call it? It was like, um, decision currency or something he didn't want to waste and it I, I like that yeah and he didn't yeah. want to waste it on something like what is he wearing you know when he's running the you know the country and um i think that's super valuable if we can figure out a way to minimize our you know decisions where you know like in tim ferris I'm, I'm a fan of him as well and um you know he talks about eating foods like eating the same you know like i don't know four or so like meals over and over again because then you don't have to make the decision process of like what am i gonna eat now and it doesn't like sabotage whatever like goals you have physically and well-being wise you know because well you have one of four options you packed your fridge with them so you know <laughs> just pick one yes. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so and, and yeah we yeah i think we underestimate just how influence, how lazy we are to use kind of a negative word, <laughs> yeah. like how just most of the time you're just going to reach for what's there. So when you put, when you plan what's there, mm -hmm. think about that. And yeah, and it's just so much easier to, to make healthy decisions that are going to make you feel how you want to feel. Mm -hmm. If, if you think just a little bit of planning and then you just take out the stuff that doesn't, it yeah. doesn't make you feel like that. And like le less complexity, you know, simplicity, like have, you know, don't have five or six different meals that you can make, um, you know, at least I think in, in your fridge for my personality type, because then I'm just like, oh, my God, it's like six yeah. different things I can make. I'm picturing making them all at once. It sounds horrible. Yeah. But like, you know, like in my <laughs> fridge, I have uh, I like making those green smoothies, you know, a bunch of fruit, a oh, bunch of berries and a bunch of like uh, greens, you know. That's why I have my blender. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I read that whole book, Green for Life, and I totally got hooked. And so um, I do that a lot for either their breakfast or lunch. Uh, lots of times I kind of skip breakfast. So it's basically usually my first meal. And so uh, I don't skip coffee, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I do the like, I'm the same. Smoothies. Yeah. It's called intermittent fasting. Yeah. I yeah, love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to, it has all the science. I mean, there's science yeah. in every which direction. That's a little frustrating right. with the whole well-being stuff, uh, but nutrition is hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's, it's yeah. hard. But, um, yeah. So like in, uh, I know that the only way I will actually make these smoothies is, um, if right when I get home from the grocery store, I chop all the uh, like the strawberries up and I put all the berries together I put it all in one hodgepodge pile of fruit and it's all pretty much berries and so I just do two big scoops of that and then two handfuls of greens and then throw it in the blender with the frozen banana and water and it's always awesome so you know you know it's gonna be good you yeah. know it's there for you you don't have to think about like it a minute you know yeah, so I feel like um, there could be, like, a whole podcast on, like, minimalistic uh, decision-making or something. You know what I mean? I probably will there do could one be. in the future with someone. But, yeah, I just uh, – it's amazing how many different applications you can have of, you know, uh, less is more in, in, you know, society and in your, in your daily life, you know? Yeah, and, I mean, and the reason you do that is because you're saving that 
whatever Obama called it, decision currency for mm-hmm. the things that are important. Like, so what is that? Mm-hmm. Like, what can you identify something like that saving that time and just having that smoothie helps you do like something that's that is important to you to spend on. Yeah. To spend that energy on. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, so if I want to, you know, further this movement, like with Earthy and try to figure out and have the best brain power and decision making for like partnerships and, you know, like a a way to make it kind of like a, a community and a one stop for education for every level. It's not just for people who want to live like off the grid. It's for people who live in like normal houses and suburbia and things like that, like that want to, you know, live a, a conscious life, you know, a naturally conscious life and like be a cool resource that um, people can align with and want, they want to know more about this stuff and how they can live, um, you know, with a less of less carbon footprint and, and not like completely spend their entire savings on it, you know? And so, yeah, you know, that, that, that decision-making currency, it's saved like when I have to decide, you know, so many things before I even get to the productive part of my day, I feel like you're already, you've already withdrawn from that bank, you know? And I don't know if that's the exact language, just to be clear, that he used. It was something like that. <laughs> don't want to quote him wrong. I mean, you know, <laughs> but uh, it was something to those effects. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a good, uh, you know, and it's something that a lot of different like leaders and big, big, uh, you know, profile people have expressed that they don't want to waste, you know, um, that currency on little petty stuff like what am I going to eat and what am I going to wear, you know? Yeah, yeah, and yes, I absolutely. That that's how you change the world yeah. by putting your energy into the things that that you got to do to change the world. And we do. We tell ourselves we're working so hard, we're working sixteen-hour days, and then like half of that time is is just wasted on on small decisions and maintaining stuff that we don't really like. Chasing your tail. And, <laughs> yeah, chasing the tail. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, our society is like equated um, being busy with being important, and that's, I think, a big miss. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. huge yeah. mess. Yeah, I, I spend hours just like staring out the window, daydreaming, or like laying around. And I'm, pr- I'm. It's hard to say it. It's hard to admit it with you, Shannon, right here. But I do. I do, and I love it. I'm a daydreamer. I lay. I'm lazy. I mean, I actually work out, and I'm not. I'm like, you know, I'm in shape. I work out, but I love just like doing nothing sometimes, and that's great. I think it's important to schedule time in every day to just be, you know, and, and whatever that looks like for you, whether it's reading a book, whether it's lying and staring out the window, whether it's, uh, you know, going on a walk or so, just just your free time. I think that's super important. Um, you know, people don't block, you know, block out times for that lots of times. Or they just have the gym. Well, that's not necessarily free time. Some people, that might be like their ultimate free time. But other people are just like doing it because they have to, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then when you when you become a parent, the bar like totally lower. Like it totally changes. Like I bet. I can't yeah, imagine. like going to the dentist and you get the like two hours by yourself to wait. Like, <laughs> Did you just so say nice. that going to the dentist? Was like, <laughs> wow, yeah. that's a parenting commercial right there. When you're a parent, the dentist rocks. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, what Are there any tools or apps you would recommend to help minimize your life? Well, I have to, of course, mention the three-day decluttering challenge, which is my own uh, thing that I that's available on simplelivingtoolkit.com. Okay. And that's a little three-day challenge that will help get you started. Um, I, I recently used the app Let Go. So that's a, that's, yeah. that's, that's a cool, you know, no, no affiliation or, or any partnership or anything with them. They just, that was really helpful. Um, this last time we were, 
going a little more minimal. Um, mm-hmm. And then there are a couple of digital digital tools that I use to, I think, help me focus on what's important and remind myself of things that I love. One is Boomerang for Gmail. Mm-hmm. So if you use Gmail, Boomerang is a tool that I I love, um, and it it just helps you if you use your if your inbox makes you feel overwhelmed it, mm-hmm. you can have stuff come back it it tells you like you can set it up like return this email if no one responds in five days to my inbox you know and it just helps me stay organized I'm yeah I, I'm the type a and I love to be organized um and and then this other tool that I love that helps um it's where I journal it keeps things digital is 750words.com. Have you heard of this? No, 750words.com. Yeah, it's the the numeral 750words.com and it's an online journal. It's completely private. You can just do a brain, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the contents of your brain are, just dump yeah. them out and yeah. I do my gratitude there, I do planning there, I journal, I write. You can I just And what's great about it is if you're on the move and you're nomadic, like mm-hmm. I don't I do like to write in journals, but I always end up then having journals that I have to do something with yeah. or scan or whatever. So, and if you want to keep it in the cloud and on the internet, it's yeah. a great way. It's private. And they also analyze your words for you. So it's just kind of fun. Like they count your words and hmm. you can see, they tell you what kind of mood you were in, you know, if you were feeling <laughs> extroverted or extroverted and if you're thinking a lot about death or whatever. So I love it. And, and I think it helps me stay minimal because it helps me focus on what's important, which is what we keep coming back to identifying values uh-huh. and focusing on what's important. And then by default, I know that things I'm not focusing in my journal on are probably not important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's, it's a, it's a journey. It's a constant shift. It's not like once you identify your values, you're like, great, figured it out, done, cha-ching, move on. But it's like constantly changing. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, that's, that's a definite challenge. Cause right when you think you have it all figured out, it's usually when you're going to start to shift. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, Oh man, what a game. <laughs> that's what this is. Who designed that's this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, let me think. Okay. Here's one thing. What, what would you say to critics of like minimalist living? Cause you know, you talk about it to people and some people will probably just roll their eyes and be like, Oh God, you're one of those. Like, <laughs> what would yeah. you what would you say to that? I actually, I had, I had encountered very few of those. And then I was at a, a, a get together sitting in a room and, and this guy started to ask me about it. And, and I'm just so used to people being really open and mm-hmm. curious and mostly positive. Mm-hmm. And he was open and curious, but had a slight negative take on it. Mm-hmm. And that was really the first time in real life. Cause of course there are trolls on the internet oh, right. who are, you know, who can say negative things, but they don't, the trolls on the internet don't usually say anything constructive. Uh-huh. Whereas the critic, like in real life, he was, I was like, Oh yeah, you're, you've thought about this critically. And it's interesting to hear. What did he say? And Do you remember any of his points? I think his main point was, um, he was thinking about, the documentary, The Minimalist, which uh-huh. is available on Netflix. And yeah, I watched it. It was super good. Yeah. Oh, I liked yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. And he had watched that. And I think his takeaway was he got a lot of positive out of it. And I think it's great. Like I thought it was a great introduction to minimalism. Uh-huh. And, but, but he also got the sense that they were perhaps, uh, lonely, um, and, uh, 
disconnected, which wasn't what I got from it. But yeah. I can see how kind of minimalist can be seen as uh, if if you really are dedicated to this lifestyle, I suppose it could alienate people who, around you who are collectors or make them feel judged or something. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that could be a criticism is a lot of minimalists are um, could be, I, I guess it could be seen as like a, a judgmental thing because you're like, oh, yeah, this is not, clearly this is not the kind of life I choose to be surrounded by stuff like that. And because you are doing that, it's an innately wrong decision for you. Like I can see how you can just feel triggered and judged by just someone who's a minimalist because, because your life isn't like that. So just by saying I'm choosing a different path, some people just get offended. Like, Oh, I'm because I'm not like that. You probably think I'm wrong. I'm like, no, I don't think you're wrong. Not at all. You're choosing. Yeah. Your and that's, that's all about like how they're choosing to react. And that really has nothing to do with your actions or, or your path. Like, you know, if, like if that were to happen to, you know, to me, I kind of feel like, okay, well, that's how you're choosing to process this information. And maybe yeah. it's like a defensive response and that's okay. And that's your process. But I don't think I, initiated that response that was their I didn't I wasn't a catalyst well I was a catalyst in their own process I guess but that was just their reaction yeah, you know so it's not, not like it's yeah. not like I offended them by my life you know it's not like I told them that that their ways were wrong and mine were right you know it's I think minimalism is pretty friendly in the sense that they don't you don't proselytize you're like hey man this worked great for right. me if people want to like know more about it sure I'm happy to share you know my tips or or you know how it's affected me but I don't you know, sit there and say, you know, you're ruining your life because your garage isn't clean. <laughs> right, 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 right. No, but, yeah. So, uh, but I think people can feel a little bit, I think a lot of people feel bad that their garage isn't clean, like it should be clean and like their house should look a certain way. And so when they find uh, this movement, mm-hmm. they feel... Um, They're threatened. They're intimidated. Threatened. Yeah. 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 And I mean, yeah. honestly, it's that's probably healthy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, I mean, cuz if yeah. they feel like that's where they should be, that's their own conviction, that's their own core value or whatever. Something inside of them is telling them that you're not, you yeah. know. So, I figure I take no uh I wouldn't take any any um what's the like blame or I wouldn't take any responsibility for that because that's their own convictions having a reaction and yeah. um you know they can do with that what they will you know because if you're it's, if you're too busy like trying to uh please everyone you know first of all you have no control over any of that like I I'm a big believer in the whole four agreements philosophy I don't know if you've read that book it's one of my yes. favorite books but um yeah and I'm not super good at it but I try <laughs> you know yeah so um but yeah you know I mean that's gonna happen with any any lifestyle change that people resonate with sometimes they'll they'll I would imagine respond in a negative manner because they're upset that they're not doing that you know yeah yeah my mom says it's kind of like a diet you know where <laughs> yeah. you've made you're you're making choices in your and health and it's it's actually a lot like that because it is it's a stuff diet mm-hmm. and people you know you go out to eat with someone and you're like ordering this and they're like oh my god really and there's all that is happening you know they're feeling threatened because you're losing weight and they're not they're mm-hmm. also like I just wanted to eat hamburgers with you like what's up you know yeah. and you're like well I'm a vegetarian now and it's just right. it's something that that is it's just a lifestyle choice that um, can be feel threatening but. Um, I, I do, uh, I did want to share something from the 
some, I think, valid criticism of the movement okay. that I thought came through in the documentary. Um, and and this was a moment in the documentary, and they, they just gave a talk, and a man stands up, and he starts saying something to the effect of uh, a man in the audience after the talk during the Q&A. He, he, he says, like, you're two, you know, smart young men, and mm-hmm. you left the workforce, and we need you. You're good guys. Uh-huh. We need you in there, like fixing Wall Street and like making people do the right thing there. And uh-huh. and I thought that was really valid. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know if they. I think they did kind of address it in a in a pretty satisfying way. But I do think that there's a whole element of like let's like leaving the rat race mm-hmm. and um, creating your own career. Mm-hmm. And that's really important and meaningful. But I, I do think that leaving the converse, in a way, if you leave the workforce, which I, I chose to like leave office culture, like I don't enjoy at this point in my life, I don't go enjoy going into an office and working for a boss and all the, the things. But in, But it could be said, and I think it would be valid that my voice is lost in that culture now. Uh-huh. Like I'm not climbing up this corporate ladder and, and I'm not helping any, you know, I'm not make, helping mm-hmm. a company to shape, shape a company, yeah. a big company. Yeah. Yeah. And I get that. And I think that is important, but at the same time, I think we're in a generation that's in a big shift, um, with, mm-hmm. with, um, with corporate culture, with the ideologies behind like nine to five work and, um, you know, location dependent work, obviously some things will always be location dependent, like emergency services. <laughs> you can't remote access that. Um, but like there's certain things, you know, like I read that book at the end of jobs. Um, and yeah, yeah I, think, oh, I love that stuff. Yeah. And I think that, you know, while that is a valid point that they're not reshaping, you know, this traditional sense of, you know, uh, the corporations and stuff, um, I feel like they're also leading this, you know, other movements such as, you know, mm-hmm. minimalism and things like that, which are which are very important. And right now in the consumer driven U.S., I would argue more important than being an unheard voice in a large corporation. You know, so I feel like, you know, it's not super fair to put that responsibility on these, you know, young, bright men when they're following their passions and which is the mm-hmm. this generation is doing to reshape what work looks like. You know, so I think if we yes. step back, we don't know what it's going to look like in 10, 20 years, and they might be like big movers and shakers. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's hard to see, you know, with this perspective, because we definitely don't want to stay in that traditional corporate 1%, you know, um, society. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it's just going to be interesting to see what happens. You know, I'm, I'm 30, I just turned 37, and so I'm kind of curious what's going to happen. Congrats. Thank you. Uh, what, what's going to happen, <laughs> you know, like when I get to my golden years, you know, and I'm going to make them golden, damn it, but I'm curious yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what it's going to be like, you know, what the society is going to be like, um, and if, you know, we can figure out how to uh, sort of reset, reboot, and get more humane with one another and, and connect as opposed to uh, have this oil and water issue that's going on right now. Like none of us are mixing. We're just screaming at one another and 
I can't even watch the news. It's just too intense. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll read news, but I can't watch it because I just yell at each other. So yeah. <laughs> I don't need that. But um, anyway, yeah, so it's, it's a lot to consider. I know that we've uh, talked a lot about, you know, a whole wide array of things. And I, I could probably continue this for another two hours. But um, I usually <laughs> end them at about an hour. We're, we're running over. So it's been, like, amazing talk to, talking to you. And I really appreciate your time and input. And I'm sure love to have you on again. It'd probably be really fun to talk about uh, your adventures with a two-year-old um, on a different future <laughs> podcast. Yeah, we could whole, save a whole podcast for that. Totally. A you know, episode. minimalism was a family and with a toddler, like, that's intense. <laughs> and yeah. talk about all your dentist trips. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, it's been really great having you on. Thank you again for your time. And um, what's the best way that our reachers, uh, our listeners, sorry, can reach you? Okay. Well, um, first of all, thank you, Shannon, so much for having me. Um, and you're so welcome. And the best way that our listeners can reach me is through my website, mm-hmm. simplelivingtoolkit.com. Okay. And and they can uh, email me. My email is actually publicly listed on the web on my website, so anyone can email me questions. And then um, my books are also available on Amazon.com. Minimalist Living and Simple Kitchen by Genevieve Parker Hill. Okay, really cool. Thank you again for your time. I've had a freaking blast talking to you, and I look forward to the next time. Me too, Shannon. Thanks Thanks again. Thanks for hanging with us. I hope you had a blast. If you know someone who would make a great guest on Earthy, or you'd like us to cover a specific topic, reach out at earthydecor.com.